0: It's time Fort Wayne, your sports, your
1: station. It's, it's a, a sports,
0: sports rush, rush with, with Brett Rump. Rump. Three
1: ball, Max Landis. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City.
0: Clark, 11 yards, touchdown. Only on 1380 the fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting.
1: The most important person of all time. You are
0: incredible. I'm older than wise. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this? Amateur hour! This is, is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our fine style. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems.
1: Welcome to the alleged show. take you home on a monday it is the sports rush back for another week after another sports weekend welcome to it i am brett romp along with adam lundy we are your daily local sports fix four to six big show coming up today of course after such a big weekend including a comets sweep of the weekend two consecutive weekend sweeps for the comets That makes it six straight wins. We're going to talk to the coach, Ben Boudreau, who will join us about 30 minutes from now. Also, our number two, since it is a Monday, we get a chance to visit with the legendary Hall of Fame voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher. What a moment on Saturday down at Assembly Hall in Bloomington. The number one Purdue Boilermakers come into town and Indiana wins it 79 to 74. Um, <laughs> no surprise at all, right? I mean, you just kind of expected this. I know I did the Mastodons game on Saturday, and we were wrapping up, sending it to the Purdue broadcast, and our producer, Austin Fox, when we got done, said, all right, what's your pick? And I said, Indiana's going to win. I just don't think Purdue can win at Assembly Hall. There's going to be that Indiana magic uh, every so often when they play on their home floor against highly touted opponents whether it be Kentucky or North Carolina or Duke Indiana seems to find a different level of play and they are bolstered by that crowd and I think Purdue is going to really struggle with that energy that Indiana is going to bring and I think it will be a little bit of a learning lesson for the freshmen and the Boilermakers are going to go down. I thought it'd be close. I mean, nothing surprised me. I guess my biggest surprise was listening to the game and hearing Indiana race out to that 15-point first-half lead because I didn't think Purdue would get dominated because every time Purdue needs a bucket, they generally go to their old reliable and lob it into Zach Eady, And he can score enough points to at least keep you in the game. But... Uh, Indiana wasn't even giving Purdue a chance to get it to Zach Eady because they were forcing turnovers on the perimeters. On the perimeter, they were hounding the Purdue guards. And Braden Smith, Fletcher, lawyer in that first half, looked like freshmen, And we haven't said that very often this year. And Indiana ends up winning at 79-74 after Purdue had a furious second-half rally. In fact, they got it to within one point late. But credit to Indiana. They didn't fold. They didn't succumb to the pressure. Uh, of trying to hold on and get a, a a monumental win on their home floor. They made the plays down the stretch. Jalen hood Shafino better than Braden Smith. And remember, last week I said I thought this was the X-Factor matchup in this game. That I thought the two freshman guards and how they played against each other, even if they weren't guarding each other, just how one played for his team and the other played for his team, I thought it would come down to that matchup. Do you remember on Friday I was on the road show and, uh, I mentioned that I thought that that was the X factor for the game. Jalen Hood versus Braden Smith, and maybe even Hood versus Fletcher Lawyer in a way. But Jalen Hood was the best of those three. Hood finished 8 of 15 from the field, got a couple of late buckets, including a dunk that was meaningless, but I guess. Some would say, did he have to dunk it? Did he have to put the exclamation point through the basket? Or could he just dribble the timeout? Um, you know, there's kind of that unwritten rule that if you've got the game locked up, don't put up a shot. But it was a one-possession game. There was two or three seconds left. But eight for 15 from the field for Hood uh, Didn't make a three-pointer, but he had 16 points, four assists. And you compare those numbers to Braden Smith, who really struggled. One for eight from the field. 0 for 1 from distance, had just four points, did have six assists. And uh, Fletcher Lawyer also turned it over a couple of times. Um, or I mean, uh, Braden Smith turned it over once. Fletcher Lawyer turned it over twice. Zach Eady though, uh, turned it over five times. And Mason Gillis turned it over three times. And so the the Boilermakers uncharacteristically were forced into 16 turnovers that gave IU a 20 to 8 advantage in points off turnovers because Indiana took care of the basketball and only turned it over eight times. But uh, I thought that freshman matchup was huge. And I think the fact that uh, Indiana was able to pressure Purdue guards. Everybody thinks, how are you going to defend the big man? But if you could pressure the guards and not give them clean passes into the post... And maybe get some steals along the way. It might be better defense than trying to figure out how to guard a seven foot four monster in the middle. And I thought Indiana had a good game plan. I, I thought they executed it well. I thought the crowd was a huge factor in this one. And I think Indiana is going to get spanked big time when they go to Mackey Arena. That's my early thoughts. Uh, I, I think Purdue. Uh, one thing that was proven. Let's put it this way: the, the thing that was proven in yesterday's or Saturday's game, Indiana cannot guard Eady. 33 points, 18 rebounds, 10 offensive rebounds. Indiana cannot guard Eady, and I think that's going to spell trouble when Indiana plays at Purdue because if you can't guard Eady, and it's it's not that it's not that they're. <sighs> technically can can clean up a fundamental or two that's not it they're not big enough they don't have anybody big enough to match up with Edie, and most teams don't that's why Edie's having a player of the year type season but i think at home purdue is going to shoot the ball better you're not going to get a one for six from distance uh out of fletcher lawyer you know lawyer Smith and Morton combined to go one for eight from three-point range. And uh, I think they'll shoot better to complement what Edie does inside. I don't think Purdue is going to turn the ball over 16 times next time they play Indiana. I think they'll be prepared. And I don't think Indiana's defense is going to have that same kind of energy when they have to play in front of a road crowd at Mackey Arena. But on Saturday, it was Indiana's day, as we've seen so many times at Assembly Hall It's where highly ranked teams go to suffer a loss. And Purdue suffered one. But here's the great respect that the uh, people have around the country. Not only for Indiana, but for Purdue. Because in some ways, this is paying respects to Indiana. When you still vote Purdue as the number one team in the country despite a loss. Because what they're saying is... You got beat by a team who played really well that day at home that's a very good team. And we're not going to punish you by knocking you off that top spot. We still think you're the best team in the country. And so the new poll came out today. And, I, I mean, how many times has this happened? This is very rare that a number one team suffers a loss, especially when it's the most recent game they've played. And yet they are still the number one team in the country. Now remember last week it was unanimous and about half of the people decided to vote Houston number one and uh, it was what 33 number ones for Purdue 28 for Houston It was uh, 38 for Purdue
2: 22 for Houston.
1: okay and number one number one votes yes uh, and so about a third of the votes ended up going to Houston for number one. But that means two-thirds of the people, even after they saw Purdue get beat, still believed that they are the best team in the country, despite the loss, which is, in many ways, respect to the Indiana program right now and the Indiana basketball team, because if they thought Indiana wasn't that good, they could crush Purdue and knock them down to two or three. But what they're saying is you got beat by a really good team that played a really good game, and we're not going to hold that against you.
2: Do you think the second half had anything to do with it? You know, them coming back from that uh, 15-point halftime deficit to kind of make it a game? Certainly.
1: I mean, the fact that Purdue had the metal to come back in the second half in that environment and to make the halftime adjustments to make a game out of it. And they came right out of the locker room and immediately took it from 15 down to like eight or nine points. I mean, it was so quick the way they got back into the game. And then they uh, they whittled away, whittled away there over about a ten minute stretch, and it was like a six or seven point game. Then it was a five point game. Then a four point game, and it stayed that way for a while. Then all of a sudden it got to a one possession game. Um, and I'll be honest, and admit it, Indiana fans, you didn't think they were going to hold on. You started to doubt. You thought the best is over. Here it comes, heartbreak. And because I kind of started to think that. I thought if they get it within a possession and you've got no way to stop Zach Eady, this game's going to go to Purdue. But credit to Indiana because it got to one possession and Indiana held on to the lead. Purdue never led. Um, I mean, uh, if you look well, I shouldn't say they never led. <laughs> they, uh, they led, what was it, three to two or something like that. I mean, it was a minute into the game, Purdue they, yeah. had a one-point lead. They did. So I shouldn't say never led. I I wasn't actually referencing the stats when I said that. I was referencing more watching the game. But they led by one point at 1859 left in the first half. That's it. It lasted all of how long? 35 seconds. And for 39 minutes and 11 seconds, when you looked up at the scoreboard, Indiana was the team that was on top. But uh, Indiana still number one. Or, I mean, Purdue. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Purdue, number one. Uh, Houston has replaced Tennessee at number two. Uh, And then you've got, in the top five, Alabama, Arizona, and Texas is in the top five. IU, here's the thing. Apparently, the pollsters forgot Indiana got beat earlier in the week because they gave Indiana three spots up to number 18.
2: Yeah, that's what that win over a number one will do, I guess,
1: despite what you do earlier in the week. Well, you know who they knocked out of the way to put Indiana up to 18? They knocked out my owls. Oh, no, Brett. FAU owls. It's a sad owl cry now. Uh, After, what, 20 straight wins? Yeah. They lost on, well, it wasn't Saturday. It was like last Thursday. They lost to UAB. Came back and won on Saturday. Didn't matter. Bolsters, man, you got high standard when you're a mid major. <laughs> yeah, you can't lose anything. No, you can't lose. They dumped you from 19 completely out of the top 25. One loss. But uh, anyway, FAU out of the poll. You got teams like Rutgers and Creighton that have climbed in now to the top 25. Indiana, number 18. And uh, as we said, Houston, who uh, gets 22 first place votes, is now at number two behind the Purdue Boilermakers. Were you waving at me or something?
2: No, oh. no. I'm just uh, doing my stats researching. Um, and
1: uh, doing show prep during show. Totally. <laughs> Coming up, we've got Ben Boudreaux, comments coach. He's going to join us also on the way. We'll talk to Don Fisher. Our 15 Minutes with Fish comes along about an hour from now. Let's go ahead and check out what's happening in the world of sports with today's top headlines. <laughs> All
2: right, well, some Super Bowl news. Running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is eligible to play in the Super Bowl after the Chiefs activated him from their injured reserve list today. Edwards-Hilaire hasn't played since Week 11 because of a high ankle sprain, but he finished third on the team in rushing with 302 yards and three touchdowns. Also caught 17
1: passes for 151 yards and three touchdowns. That's the big thing right there. It's not necessarily his running. It's his ability to catch passes out of the backfield as an outlet. Because remember, you've got Mahomes still maybe not 100% on that ankle. Kind of to have that safety that you can go to uh, should the pressure come. Very important. Big, big pickup for Kansas City. Hall of
2: Famer quarterback Tom Brady, who announced his retirement February 1st, said today that he won't begin his work as a sports broadcaster at Fox Sports until the fall of 2024. So you'll have to wait a little while till he's here on 1380, Brett.
1: That scream that you heard was Greg Olson. <laughs> Happy that he's got one more year as the number one guy.
2: One more for you. Arizona Cardinals wide receiver A.J. Green announced his retirement Monday. Green, 34 years old, played 11 seasons in the NFL after being picked by the Bengals with the fourth overall pick in the
1: 2011 NFL Draft. Four seasons ago, round four, he was a stud receiver. Isn't it, isn't it pretty amazing how quickly receivers drop? Yeah. I mean, it must be just a fine line between having that step and losing it. Got to be able to get it. Got to get that separation. And, uh, I mean, he was, he was a star. Four years ago, and I'm thinking the year that Jesse Bates first arrived in Cincinnati, A.J. Green was really the veteran name that you knew on that roster. That all we got? That's it for today, Brett. Oh, I've got I've got a couple of things oh, here coming we go. up for hour number two. I'll save them. All right. I'll save them, but I've got a couple of headlines we might toss in. Uh, still coming up, we've got uh, Ben Boudreau joining us also. Girls basketball sectionals in the books. We'll tell you who moves on to regionals and a lot of Pacers news today. We'll get to all of that. Hey, don't forget coming up Wednesday, we got a special road show. We're going to be out at Christopher James Menswear, out of the studio on the road. That means you can come by and enjoy a live broadcast at Christopher James Menswear. All you got to do is stop by. Uh, maybe you want to do some shopping. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just want to come out and see us. That's fine either way. That's why we're going out there. We're going to have our, our pockets filled with prizes that fit in our pockets because they're tickets. We've got all kinds of tickets that we're going to be giving away. We'll be there from 4 to 6 with the live edition of the Sports Rush. And just in case you do want to do a little shopping while you're there, it's their big sale that ties into the big game coming up on Sunday. And that means 50 to 75% off. It's the biggest of the year as it's the final clearance of the winter merchandise at Christopher James Menswear. All the great fashions, all the great brands, Canali, Meyer, Peter Millar, Johnny O, Magnani, and plenty more will be 50 to 75% off this weekend. We'll have all the details for you. With the live Sports Rush, Adam and I will both be there this Wednesday from 4 to 6 at Christopher James Menswear, where style and service are always in fashion. They're in Covington Plaza at West Jefferson at Getz. This is Mike Nutter, team president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Parkview Sports Medicine text line is 46862 46862 What are your thoughts on what we saw with Indiana and Purdue? Where are these teams right now if the season ended? Purdue's got to be the number 1 overall seed, right? Yes. How high do you put Indiana in in the tournament? How do they get a 3 or a 4 seed? Big Ten or March Madness? No, March Madness. Right now, where would Indiana... I mean, rankings, they're 18. Give him a two. Give him a two or a three. Oh, no, you can't give them a two. Give him a two or a three. You can't give Okay, look, I'm, I'm, Adam, I'm going to tell you, like, ten teams that deserve a number two over Indiana. All right. All right, I'm going to go through them right now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Right. Houston, well, okay, Purdue, let's say Purdue, Houston... Um, man, Indiana's already beaten Purdue. Arizona... And let's just say Tennessee. I'm not going to go straight by the rankings. Let's say those four get number one seats. Okay. Tennessee, I know, dropped in the rankings. They lost last week, but that's part of conference play. Everybody's going to take a loss. So let's just put Purdue, Houston, Arizona, and Tennessee as the number one seats. All right. Now you've got number two seats. You've got Alabama, Texas, UCLA, Kansas. Uh, Marquette's been tearing it up. Mm. Iowa State just got a big win. Uh, now, I could see Indiana right now fighting for a three. I was going to Yeah. to it, me, they're yeah. a, probably a safe four, maybe five. And we're no Joe Lenardi, but sometimes Joe Lenardi is no Brett Rump. <laughs> for what that's worth, I bet Joe Lenardi cares. Uh, no, the, uh, I use 18th ranked. If you go by by that and just say, okay, we're going to seed it by the rankings, right. then Indiana would be, what would that be, a fifth seed? Somebody help me with the math. One, two, three, four. Yeah, that'd be a fifth seed. But uh, I think Indiana might be a four. They'd be a real long shot as a three, and a lot would have to happen between now and the end of the year. But, again, getting the top four, you've got a pretty decent position to make it to the second weekend. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. By the way, uh, speaking of next weekend, you know, making it to the next weekend, yeah. how about girls basketball sectionals? Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, yeah, let's do. Because, I, once again, it's remarkable, Adam. I picked every sectional right. Well, good job. Not really. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just hoping that over the last week, maybe I was some people, I was ready to believe yeah, you. I, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking you sit here, and of course we know you sit here, but don't listen to the show. Uh, but but you sit here and hear everything I say, <laughs> and yet I can convince you with a straight face that I got every one of the sectionals right. I did not. I did pick Northwestern to mm. win at Norwell, and unbelievably, that ball did not go in. Norwell must have tilted the rim at some point because that ball looked like it was going to roll down and it rolled out at the, the last second. And Norwell held on to defeat Northwestern. What a thrilling game we had on uh, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. We do know how to pick them. And uh, that was that was great drama. So Norwell advances. Also, uh, other winners in uh, 4A. Homestead, I did pick. Yeah. Yeah. And they got it done uh, with a victory over Huntington North, avenging a regular season loss. Now they've got a really tough Fishers team that comes in at 23-2. and Comes in. It's not like it's at Homestead. It's at Marion. Right. But guess who's be there? Us. Oh, yeah. Once again, Michael McIntyre taking the trip to Marion. Um, And it'll be the Homestead Spartans, Fishers. What are they? Tigers? For some reason, I think it's Fishers Tigers. I'm going to call them the Tigers until someone tells me they're not the Tigers. Then you've got the Snyder Panthers taking on uh, Harrison of West Lafayette. They're the Tigers. Oh, we'll see. Another win for me. Another, I, I got that one right, too. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, all right. So we've got uh, Homestead Fishers, Snyder, Lafayette Harrison. And that will be 4 o'clock and 7 o'clock the two one game regionals at Marion. Now what that means is Homestead Fishers will play for a regional title. After the game, they'll have the celebration, the photos, cut down the nets, present the trophy, etc. <laughs> then clear the court, then like a 30-minute warm up for the second game which will start at 7. So, we will not have a true double header, but we will have two games, one that starts at 4, one that starts at 7 coming up this Saturday. From Marion. All right, Class 3A Norwell. We said they advanced. They'll take on Hamilton Heights, and Twin Lakes will play Garrett. And the challenge for Garrett, who was a bit of a surprise winner at the Concordia Sectional, is uh, Garrett has to take on a 26-0 Twin Lakes team. But um, man, I tell you what. Yeah. Uh, when uh, is it Bailey Kellum? For some reason, I think it's Bailey Kellum, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm questioning myself. When she uh, her career is over, a great basketball player moves on from our area because she's done terrific things at Garrett. You're correct. And, uh, you know, I'm on a roll. Give me a bell. Have I got a perfect Monday going so far? I don't know about all that. Well, according to me. <laughs> hey, I've got some uh, some kind of breaking news here. bro. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. Uh, Let's have a oh. coach.
2: No. Oh. So you heard about the uh, Nets and Mavericks trade for Kyrie Irving over the weekend. Well, I'm just reading now that the Nets-Mavs trade still has not been made official with the league office because the Nets are evaluating opportunities to expand the deal with a third team. Really? Teams are expected to make the two-way deal official in the next couple of hours unless the Nets find something bigger to fold
1: into it so uh okay so did something happen that between the two teams there's a salary cap issue and so a third team has to be brought in um to to help clear this out because here's the thing i'm I'm bringing up adam if it's a salary cap issue there's only a couple of teams in the league that could be the third team and you know one of them happens to be about 100 miles south of here That would happen to be the Indiana Pacers. Yes, it would. (laughs) And so if it is a salary issue, we'll have to keep up on this. Yes. And see if we can get any more reports. Because if it is salary cap and uh, somebody's got to, like, let's say the Mavericks and taking on that massive overpaid contract to Kyrie Irving, which I still am surprised anybody had interest in Kyrie. You know, I said Friday, is anybody going to call? Will anybody call the phone of of the Brooklyn Nets? And, gosh, about three teams did, and one of them was uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. But but if it becomes a, a situation where Dallas has to unload somebody, of course, Mark Cuban has relationships with Indiana because he went to IU. I don't know if that makes him – I don't know if that helps in this deal because it is the Indiana Pacers, which really don't have anything to do with IU. But <laughs> um, but maybe – uh. Maybe in the deal, the Pacers get a couple of picks to take on some salary cap.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting. It's certainly an interesting fold that's uh, come into this trade over the last couple uh, days here. And now over the last couple minutes, we're just well, hearing clearly about Clearly, somebody this.
1: would be expendable in Dallas because somebody's going to have their minutes ser- seriously cut with Kyrie being added to that lineup. You know who's going to have their minutes cut? It's uh, Luca. And maybe he's the guy that we've got to take on. If, you know, if they want to <laughs> dump Luca's salary off on us, we'll take it. I guess if they put us backs against the wall, we'll go ahead and take on Luca's contract. Uh, I mean, just the nice folks we are here in Indiana. Now, it, this trade in some ways doesn't make great sense. It's a big name and it's a great talent. Okay, Kyrie Irving's terrific, but is he a good teammate? I he hasn't proven it. Right? If anything, he's proven he's not a real good teammate. Is he all about me, me, me? Yes, he is. Is that going to go over well with Luca? This is Luca's team. Is it now going to become Kyrie's team? And how's that going to go with Luca? And then the question is, you got two point guards now. Both of them like to have the ball in their hands. You're only going to play with one ball. How is this going to work?
2: Yeah, and don't forget, you only have about uh, four or five months with him before you have to
1: figure that, something yeah. out too yeah so it's i don't know it, it just i guess mark cuban has fun money that he can throw out there and if it doesn't work he can just dump him or tell him not show up he'll pay him
2: like i said to you he'll recuperate whatever he loses just from the ticket sales of getting Kyrie irving in the building
1: yeah merchandise he's gonna sell a bunch of Kyrie jerseys over a three or four month period but uh it will be interesting to see because my, my speculation is if they have to get a third team, the league has looked at this and said, wait a minute, there's a salary cap issue here. Some salary has to be shifted or something, and it would be salary that goes from uh, from the, uh, the the Dallas Mavericks. And so we'll see what, what happens as far as if the Pacers are there to make this deal happen. Since it is putting Kyrie from the east to the west, the Pacers would have some motivation You know, take a talented player and get him out of the Eastern Conference. Four six eight six two Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Four six eight six two. Speaking of the Pacers, whipped by Cleveland. Not a competitive night. Didn't play very good defense. Really had almost no offense to speak of. But the real story on the Pacers is what's going on with this whole Ja Morant and his uh, entourage. And was there a gun? Did the Pacers get threatened? I mean, I don't know if you followed this over the weekend. This yeah. story kind of broke yesterday. Really? Um, Strange. Yeah, it, it really was. And, um, I, I mean, I don't get exactly what 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 from that laser. Because uh, to take you back, there was a confrontation between people with John Morant. Now, it did not say that John Morant was involved directly in the confronta- uh, confrontation. But it did say... There were associates or, or entourage of uh, John Moran's party that apparently got into it with some of the Pacers and Pacers staff that was traveling to Memphis back on January, what, well, was the 29th. And uh, apparently it continued while the team was on the bus. And uh, a vehicle, an SUV with tinted windows, apparently pulled up next to the bus. And there were witnesses that said they saw a red laser, pointed their direction. And one of the Pacers security guards said definitely 100% that was a gun. The NBA has now investigated this. It doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere. It doesn't look like there's going to be any penalties passed out. But to me, it's like, okay, should the NBA be investigating this or shouldn't the police? If someone's saying or claiming, especially somebody as credible as a security guard, is claiming there was a gun pointed at the Indiana Pacers bus, I think that the police should be the ones investigating this. Not the NBA. Yeah. 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Comets six straight after a weekend sweep. We'll talk to the coach, Ben Boudreau. Coming up next, this is the Sports Rush at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Kristen Airy from the Indiana Pacers on Fox Sports Indiana. And you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. The legendary Hall of Fame voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. and has been for 50 years. Don Fisher joins us at 520, our 15 minutes with Fish. Right now, we've got to talk common hockey. What a weekend. Back-to-back, six straight wins. And this team has seemingly found an identity. I mean, to me, having been a Comet fan all my life, which is one hell of a long time, <laughs> uh, the, uh, this is what Comet hockey is about, right? Defend first, take advantage of opportunities to score later. Uh, but I will tell you something yesterday in that game was unbelievable. It might have been the best in Comet's history. And I know there was a debate about this on social media But an unbelievable save by Ryland Ryland Peranto, Comet's goaltender. I mean, kicking up a pad. I mean, that's not easy to do, and it's especially not easy to do quickly. Uh, It was an unbelievable save. It was number one on SportsCenter. Let's talk Comet hockey with the coach, Ben Boudreau, who is joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Coach, that play, unbelievable. What were your thoughts when you saw it
0: well before i get uh, get to that uh brett welcome back i want to say that shannon was giving you a good run for your money while you were gone oh,
1: okay well we'll make sure to put a good word into the program director that <laughs> shannon's doing a hell of a job
0: <laughs> <laughs> but no last last night i mean it was uh you know that's why sports are so great i mean the you yeah, know it's when that save happened at that time, I mean, in front of 8,000 fans, in front of the Coliseum, I mean, my, my jaw just dropped to the floor. I had no words. I was speechless. And, you know, Be- Parento had no business making that save. So, I mean, that's, that goes in 99 out of 100 times. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why he's such a great goaltender because he never never gives up on the play. But even the fashion and the way that he made it at the time of the game, um, you know, he, he should he should have been injured with the way his hip and his whole body (laughs) recorded. But, uh, you know, that's, that's what he does. He prepares like a professional every single uh, day. And he puts himself into those situations, um, you know, where, where for him, he said it's routine, the way he kind of reacted to it and, and got lucky. But, you know that's that's preparation um, in advance and getting rewarded and man that's that's going to go down in infamy for a long time. That safe.
1: And I think what people probably don't appreciate, especially those that haven't played hockey, is that the skates, the pad—I don't know what extra weight that adds to the leg—but to be able to snap that leg up in the air like that, that quickly, just unbelievably athletic play uh, by the goaltender. And and you know what? That that's the kind of. That's the kind of play you're getting. And it seems like those type of plays happen when, you're, when you've are when you got a team that's playing well. And right now, I I love this, that you finally have gotten to, to this point. And, and I know, Ben, we've talked about it early in the season, that the, this team was too porous defensively. It was not playing true common hockey where it's defense first and then find your opportunities offensively. But they seem to have figured it out. Uh, and your thoughts about the quality of play over the last couple of weekends?
0: Yeah, like our, our big thing earlier on is, is, you know, we had trouble trying to get everybody on the same page, you know, just as far as the willingness to buy in and, and all play in the same type of system, um, you know, put the team first rather than themselves. And, you know, it took a little while to to get going, to find the right people, to get everybody on the same page. But now you look at it. You know, on a six-game win, streak. we've had an eight-game win streak this season. And when we're going, um, you know, we're healthy and everybody is is buying in and playing in the right way. And we're getting great goaltending. Always starts with great goaltending that gives us a chance to win. Um, you know, we've seen healthy defensemen come back and contribute. I mean, you know, anytime we've had uh, Darian Kelb or Alex Peters down, we've won 14 out of 15 games with them in the lineup. <laughs> you know, we got Braves, Graves healthy last weekend for three games. We got McIver healthy for three games and. Well, those those guys make a big difference. So you add those three D in our lineup, and you know we go on a six game win streak, and, and the goalies are playing well. You know that, that lets the forwards do their job, and when when all three phases of of the game are coming together, it's a, it's a fun time to be a part of it right now.
1: How important is it that roster, and and how do you feel about the quality of roster you have right now? Because you have picked up some people that have come back from injury, and you've gotten uh, a couple of people uh, with some help from Bakersfield is this the roster you're comfortable with?
0: Well, I mean, you know, it's in flux all the time. I mean, we still got Bowden's injured and Giuliani didn't play and Burzan's in the American Hockey League and, you know, points still not in the net and, you know, we didn't have Peters kind of thing. So, you know, for us, it's, uh, you know, it depends week to week what you got. And, and for us, it's, it's impossible to plan with the way that the league happens and the injuries. So, um, whoever we end up having, uh, we, we are making sure that they're prepared. But uh, definitely gives us a shot in the arm when when you do have your healthy guys in the lineup, and um, for us, that's that's when you got to make hay. So as long as we're healthy and we we have the lineup to do it, we we got to make sure our foot's down on the pedal and and we win as many games as we can because there's still you know 30 uh, what is it uh, you know 34 games left, 33 games left, and there's still a lot, of, a lot of room for injuries and all that stuff to happen throughout all three uh, organizations. So while we're healthy and while we're going, we need to make sure that we're keeping the foot down, and trying to collect as many points as we can while we have the, this team right now.
1: We saw Sieben Aller with a uh, real sniper shot. I mean, he zipped that thing. And I'm just wondering, as, as a defenseman, are there guys that you want to encourage to be more offensive-minded, or do you like defensemen that just pick a spot here or there?
0: Well, everybody's got a role on the team, and our assistant coach uh, had a great analogy, is that, that you need the ingredients to make a a great dinner you know it just can't be one ingredient and so you've got your offensive d you've got your you know defenseman you got your tough guys you've got your you know everybody's got a role and and right now we've got a lot of ingredients uh to, to make a pretty good dish so as long as everybody is is playing to their true self we're not asking them to be something they're not and like i said when when everybody's buying in everybody's doing whatever they can all those ingredients are coming to the forefront and you know, we're getting great defense, haven't given up a, a game with more than three goals in the last six. And, you know, we're scoring, your special teams are hot. So, like I said, all those ingredients right now are uh, cooking pretty good.
1: And it's a style of hockey, too, that plays on the road. That's that's what I like. When you're defense first and you're, you're playing the systems, uh, you can take this and have success on the road. And that's the challenge this week. You go down and take on Allen and, of course, those of us here in Fort Wayne look at this as like a rivalry, a, a secondary rivalry with Allen. But uh, what is what is the scouting report on Allen this year?
0: Well, if you look at Allen's last few games, they're on a heater as well too. I mean, they're they've got two, uh, I think, of the top five goal scorers in the league, and then I think they've got uh, four of the top fifteen. So I mean, they're they're a team that can produce offense. Um, you know, so we're really going to need our D and our our goalies to be great, but. Uh, you know you can't sleep on them that that's an organization that's been steeped in tradition with with winning and that's their expectation much like it is in Fort Wayne so for us it, it's not too much that we worry about the other opponent it's more about the focus on on how we play and we execute so while we go down to Allen it's it's always good to get away and have the team gel, especially with the way we're playing. But our focus is pretty clear. And, uh, you know, we're hungry right now, and and we want to keep this thing going. So that's, that's what we're going down there to do. It's not a vacation. It's all business.
1: Well, we'll be locked in listening on our sister station, Whoa, Whoa. And best of luck this weekend. We'll talk to you again soon, Coach. Thanks so much, Brett. Welcome back. Thank you. That is Coach Ben Boudreau. Uh, joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline, uh, coach uh, also working a second job as the official agent for Shannon Griffith, and uh, we <laughs> appreciate him taking time out to join us today here on the Sports Rush. 46862, Sparkview Sports Madison text line, 46862. Did get a text involving Mastodons basketball that came in.
2: Yeah, someone said, um, hey, Sports Rush, the Mastodons are really underachieving this season, they need to protect home the next four games and go on a little run here.
1: Very interesting because it's a team that needs all its players playing at a high level to be successful. But when they do, they're a fantastic team. The problem is you get one or two that maybe have off nights and they can be exposed fairly quickly. And uh, and the problem is once you start to get exposed, it gets very hard for the other guys to pick that up. Last year, we saw how good this team can be. This year, We've seen a few breakdowns. Yes, they, uh, you know, you could say they're underachieving. Maybe by Horizon League standards, they're sitting at 500. Uh, That's not what they were projected to be. But they are still well over 500 on the season. They still have not lost back-to-back games all year long. So they've been a resilient team that's able to bounce back from some disappointments. And they've had some disappointments. The loss to Detroit, Detroit. Starting the season, starting the Horizon League season back in early December, and then they bounce back and beat Oakland, a game that took overtime. Uh, they uh, they've they've whooped on right State. Now the problem is they win these games on Thursday on the road trip, and then Saturday a short turnaround, and they've come out flat on a couple of occasions. And uh, and I've I've told a lot of people this that you know there's a real problem right now with with this team picking up the focus because a lot of older guys. 23, 24 are spending five or six years of their life in college so they can get one thing, and that's a Horizon League Tournament Championship. That's it. That's what they want. That's what they're after. A Horizon League Tournament Championship. Were they as motivated? Did they have the edge to compete in the regular season? They haven't every game. Now when they have they've they've put some weapons on people and they've looked pretty good against Oakland, against Wright State. They beat Youngstown State in the first meeting on the road. But this is a team that came back for an extra year of college. Now it, you know remember when you were 24, 23 Last year, you know, you got through four years and you were like, thank God, I'm getting, you know, getting into the real adult (laughs) world. Okay, they said we're going to go one more year of college. Why? Because they wanted to win a Horizon League tournament. And maybe part of it is the fact that it's a mature, older group that feels like they know enough now how to turn it on. But it's time to turn it on and make it more consistent. It was not a good day Saturday. Didn't hustle back on defense. Sometimes I mean they got a little lost defensively. Um, there were just a lot of little mistakes, some some lack of focus, turnovers, and so they've they've got it. And I'll tell you this: if they don't play well on Friday, they'll get exposed by Youngstown State because this is what I think's the best team in the Horizon League. Uh, it, you could you could certainly put up an argument that it's either the best team in the Horizon League or second best as far as how they've played, the talent on the roster. Uh, They've got four guys that are 1,000-point scorers. They're a really good basketball team, and they're one of the top-scoring teams in the country. They average like 84 points a game. So it will be a real test, and it will be a heck of a game on Friday night out at the Coliseum with Youngstown State coming to town, especially since Youngstown State's going to come in with a bit of chip on their shoulder, playing for first place. They are coming in after one of the games they've lost this year was to the Mastodons at Youngstown. And so the the Mastodons need to be ready. And uh, I expect that they will be because so far through 25 games, they've not lost back to back and they just come off a loss. So I think the Mastodons will come out and play well, but even well might not be good enough against this Youngstown State team. But this is uh, this is a bit of a statement game because you're only about four weeks from Horizon League tournament action. Uh, three weeks, actually. And so you've got to start kind of making your mark. And this is when the Dons did it last year. They they ripped through February and had a terrific run leading up to the tournament. And uh, we've got to see if this veteran lineup that's pretty much the same lineup minus Jalen Pipkins, if this roster Uh, can do what last year's did, and that's elevate their game and be peak performers at the postseason. They also did it two years ago during the COVID season. I don't know if you remember, but they they were a little bit flat, up and down, very middle-of-the-pack type of a uh, Horizon League team. And then all of a sudden, they played really good basketball over the last two weeks of the season, went into the Horizon League tournament, and they won a game on the road at Green Bay against a higher-seeded Green Bay team. And then they gave Cleveland State all they could handle three overtimes at Cleveland State before finally losing on a three-point prayer that was thrown in by a center that should never have happened. But uh, just a miracle shot saved it for Cleveland State, who went on to win the tournament. So... They've played well late in seasons, but, yeah, it is time to flip that switch if they've got one and show us what, they, uh, what they're what they planning to do with this uh, end-of-season home stretch because it starts with four straight home games Friday night against Youngstown State. 46862, Parkview Sports Madison text line, 46862. Our number two comes up on the other side. It includes our weekly visit with Don Fisher, legendary Hall of Fame voice of the Indiana Hoosiers who uh, had a nice little celebration of 50 years on the mic, calling Indiana Hoosiers football and basketball. Really nice halftime ceremony down in Bloomington on Saturday. But Don Fisher will join us, and we'll tell you about the Colts' latest on the coaching search. And uh, what did you think about the Pro Bowl? We'll find out. We'll come back. It is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.